Well, we get to the pointy end of the debt ceiling negotiations and headline risk is absolutely real now. We look at the big trends and the big trades for Q3. We'll be surprised. Liquidity very much at the forefront there. We re revisit what's happening with the Fed policy and could we really get a June Fed hike after we've been seeing pause very much the consensus trade. We see the US dollar on a one-way march at the moment and having big implications for markets, specifically in gold and silver. And we look at the charts around there and we'll ask what the trade is around that situation. This is the trade-off. Well, hi, I'm Chris Weston from Pep... Well, hi, I'm Chris Weston from Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're discussing all the big trades that we're seeing across our desk at the moment. The big setups, the big formatics that are playing through the market. And after a period of sleepy markets, we are starting to see a bit of life. We're starting to see some trends develop in markets, which is great to see, specifically in the US dollar, which is obviously central to a lot of things we're doing at the moment. Uh, so, you know, obviously with everything that's going on, we want to see your comments. Blake and I have been a little bit slack in terms of replying back to those, but we're going to show a renewed commitment to making sure uh, we get back to those comments. Because in these markets at this time with the debt ceiling and all the volatility that's potentially creeping up, we need each other more than ever at the moment. So we want to see your comments, your likes specifically, uh, and, and really just see how you're playing these, these markets as well. So we're a big, happy community, uh, and we want to show a renewed commitment to getting back to those comments. And we're going to bring Blake into the program. Mr. Blake Morrow, how are you? I am doing well, Chris. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Look, a bit of life back in the markets. It's good to see uh, a trending US dollar. I think when you see trends in the US dollar, typically uh, you see things moving in, in, in other markets. Um, and so the question is, can it continue? I guess we'll, we'll address a I think we're probably going to spend quite a lot of focus on the US dollar and what it means to gold, uh, equities, and all these all, all these facts. Obviously, rates very much the driver of that situation. Um, but it's good to see a trending market. When trends happen, things get a little bit more exciting in these markets. Agree? I disagree? I, I do totally agree. Actually, the first uh, couple of days this week, I think uh, most of us were falling asleep at the at the keyboard, and uh, and 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 things have livened up. There's been a lot of volatility, a lot of headlines that are hitting the market, and we are getting increasingly close to that uh, that X date that we uh, we've been talking about, Chris. And it's it's a it's a scary X date, and it's a scary thing, kind of like Trader X. Hey, Mike, looking hey. at you, buddy. Mike anyway. <laughs> All right, let's let's go into topical funding. Let's have a look. let's go into let's go into see. I think we're probably going to talk about the debt ceiling for our sins. Don't hate us out there. <laughs> let's go to topical funding. <laughs> right. Well, actually, we're going to talk about debt ceiling, and I'll give you the chance to sort of bring that one in. I want to talk about Fed policy because we've just seen uh, the Fed minutes coming out. Uh, very much an open mind. Very significant amount of optionality around that. Um, but I think really importantly. Whilst we did see Jerome Powell on Friday sort of bring back expectations to a degree, we've seen Christopher Waller uh, coming out uh, and suggesting that, that, that we could see a skip. Skip's the new buzzword, right? It's going back a sort of taking a cue out of Greenspan era. Uh, but Christopher Waller, who's probably one of the more influential, he sort of put his head up a little bit. And I think the market's giving Christopher Waller a lot of respect now. Um, but he's saying that, you know, they could see a skip, um, but he's very much open to a, to a hike, depending what happens with the data. Um, now, the market has, has, has come up. We've seen two-year treasuries pushing up quite strongly. Uh, we're starting to see 
signs now of a breakout in real rates. That's really, really important. Now we're seeing five-year real rates moving up quite sharply, two-year rates, uh, multi-year uh, multi highs at the moment. Um, and I think that's putting a bid into the US dollar. But certainly those two-year rates, you know, looking like they may push up into 4.5%. We've got interest rate expectations now for the 14th of June priced at 40%. They were you know, much lower last week. And certainly if you look out into July as well, if we do see that skip, it's not a pause, it's a skip, Blake. It's a skip. Um, that, that we're pricing 19 basis points of tights now for the July meeting. So if they if they do miss this one out, they'll they'll give a hawkish uh, assumption that they'll go again in July. So what am I watching? Sorry to take all the time up. Uh, I think Christopher Wallace comments core PCE um, tomorrow will be actually really important. The market's looking 4.6%. Payrolls on the 2nd of June, just after the ISM manufacturing, but I think that's also key. And then the CPI numbers on the 13th of June. I think that could depending on the outcome of those, could really seal the deal. And we get a, a 25 basis point hike at a time when everyone last week or two weeks ago was saying that the pause was the consensus trade. How are you reading that? Well, I think, uh, Skip, uh, let's let's hope the Fed isn't as good as skipping stones across a, a, a body of water as I am, because I could do five skips at once. I don't know about you, Chris. No, I don't know. Uh, but let's it. hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but the way that I'm looking at it is when you talk about the rates market, you look at yields, they're rallying quite significantly, and and this really does suge suggest that the the Fed is indeed looking to to raise rates. And I and, and it's interesting. The market seemed like it was uh, responding a bit to it, but we just had Nvidia uh, earnings come out. That gave a little hop, skip, and a jump, and a skip. Get it? Crazy. And a jump to the crazy, market. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Good pun. Very nice. Um, thank but you, thank you. Have, you, have, you, have you seen the rates market for for what's Priced to by the end of the year. I mean, a couple of couple of weeks ago, we had well over 100 basis points of cuts being priced in by the end of the year. We've now got what 26 basis points of cuts. Do you want to see where we're seeing some some US dollar support? I um, mean, I think that that's that's where we are. I mean, the market had got very very overzealous in terms of the level of cuts. Some of the data has been a little bit better of late, and and it surprised people. Like Mary Daly, for example, has been surprised by the resilience. But those, the, the repricing in, in, in the, the, the further out of the rates curve has been pretty radical. And again, you know, if you look at the daily chart of the dollar index, which we'll bring up in a minute, it's no surprise we are seeing that support playing through. You know, uh, it, and what a stark contrast between, you know, Fed expectations and RB and Z expectations oh, after last night. Oh, 2.2% <laughs> 2 .2 down. I want to ask you a question. I, put a, I, want, to put, uh, I want to put you on the spot, Blake. Yeah. Whilst we have that data coming through that we talked about there, where are you sitting at this point for the Fed in June? Do they raise or do they uh, do they leave rates on hold? I think it depends on what happens on our next topic, Chris. Oh, cheeky. <laughs> okay, guys out there, we'll put this out to the audience, actually, because I think it's quite interesting. We've got a bit of data to come. We talked about that. Obviously, Blake's talking about the debt ceiling. Where do you stand right now? We want to know. Do you think we're going to get a rate, a hike coming through on the June meeting? Do you think they're going to pause? And what's your best expression of that? Interested to see how how you're viewing that one as well. Uh, Blake, take it away with debt ceiling. Yeah, and let, let's move it on to the to the next topic, the debt ceiling. And, and before I even get started, I, I want to say, make sure you do jump in the comments. I am not a political expert here in the US just because I live here in the United States. I actually try to avoid politics like the plague because, uh, but, but there are times that we really have to pay attention to what's going on. And we are we are getting very close to the debt ceiling. So if there's some things that I miss here, especially some specifics, jump down in the comments below and mention them because um, I'm not gonna be able to catch everything um, by any stretch of the means. But I, I kind of wanted to see where we stand because we are, you know, if you look at when June 1st is, that's next Thursday, that's a week 
from basically right now, uh, from where we stand. And right now, or actually tomorrow, um, the House is leaving on recess. The Senate's already on recess, Chris. The Senate's gone. They're, they're yeah, already they, gone. They can, they can come back, though. They can come back. If there's a bill, they, they if there's a bill being put to they, them, they'll come back. They can scurry like little cockroaches back, I'm sure. But you, you know, didn't Senator get political. Scal- yeah, I know. Senator Scalise, he's, uh, he's the uh, uh, ma- uh, House majority uh, for, the, for, the, for the House, obviously. He said that he, he could call everybody back within 24 hours. But Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, he also said he'd give, his, he'd give his, the, the House 72 hours to review all the text. 72 hours, that's three days. Like, how is that supposed to happen? You start looking at a calendar and you're like, okay, these guys and gals are going to leave. And then there was just a headline out there uh, just a few minutes ago or maybe about an hour ago that that they might have a, a, a an agreement in principle by the weekend. Well, you think about putting that all in principle, putting it down on paper, you're talking about Monday, 72 hours takes us into Wednesday. And then that's just the House. Then you have the Senate. My my two cents is, Chris, June 1st is next Thursday. We're not going to make the X date. Well, look, it's maybe. But, you know, in 2011, they, they, they had two days and they got it through in two days. But the, the, the X date for me is the 7th or the 8th of June. So that's probably the where okay, they will properly run it. But that's, but that's for you. That's not for the market. Correct. I agree yeah. with okay, you, by yeah, the way. Fair, yeah. I, yeah, the market's looking at, 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 at the 1st of June. What happens the 2nd of June? I mean, do, do do the markets start to get really itchy and really uh, crazy? I mean, what what are your thoughts here? I mean, we're running. We are out of time. We're out of time. I, I, I think um, the markets have to play more of a role. There's not enough drama in the markets. We've seen massive volatility in the bills markets. You know, we're seeing yeah, 8th, 8th of June bills trading 160 basis point rich of sofa rates. But yeah, look, or, or cheap relative to sofa rates. But we're not seeing the drama in the equity market. To, for, for the politicians to go back to their constituents, whether you're a House representative or whether you're in the Senate, you need to see higher volatility to say that we fought tooth and nail to get this best deal. There needs to be more drama in this political circus, this pantomime that Michael Brown calls it. And, and, and that's the way I see it. So, you know, and unless we've actually got big volatility, you know, it's, it's very difficult for them to say, yeah, we fought for a really good deal. Of course, the Republicans want to see spending cuts, spending caps, and the Democrats want to see tax, tax hikes. Um, and, and they're still some way to go um, in that situation. There hasn't been enough drama in this theatre to suggest that they've got that deal. So I think we do need to see more volatility. The markets have to play a bit more of a role to get that. So, But I think one of the things, markets felt, felt, we did see Kevin McCarthy coming out after markets saying the markets don't need to be concerned. Um, <laughs> probably concerning in its own right. But I think, as I said, though, I do think that the market has to play a greater role here. We will get an agreement. Of course we will. Uh, and I, yeah, I'd like to think that we're going to avoid going past the debt ceiling, at least going into that 7th of June. But I think the market needs to show more of a role at the moment. So it's an interesting one. Anyway, I want to touch on um, something that I talked about in a video yesterday about what I think actually is life after we get the agreement, right? So once we get the agreement, once the bill's been passed through Congress, I think the big trade um, is uh, is actually a liquidity drain from markets. And, and so the Treasury Department, the first thing once we get that, and they've been seeing the debt ceiling's been pushed out for two years, 
is the, the numbers are staggering here. So there's, there, there's talk that they're going to issue like 1.3, 1.4 trillion dollars of short-term treasury bills to replenish the TGA. You know, to to, to bring up their cash piles. Yeah, 800 billion or 750 billion in in a, in a, in a two-month period. That's a huge amount of liquidity that the private sector, your know, money market funds, uh, you know, entities with reserve liabilities uh, are going to be asked to, to 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 look at. Now, the concern I've got here, Blake, and is that. A lot of what was going to be, a lot of the heavy lifting is going to be taken by entities that that hold excess reserves. So if you're a bank, you know, if, if someone deposits a million dollars, you have to put a, a hundred grand of um, of deposits against, uh, of reserves against that, ten percent. Um, anything above that is excess reserves. Now, there's a certain amount of reserves you need in the system re- regulatory, um, but what we're going to see is. At the moment, there's about $3.28 trillion of reserves in the system, excess reserves in the system. If we take out half a bit, half a trillion dollars of that to fund this t- uh, Treasury bill purchases, we get down to about $2.8 trillion. Now, the, the, the scarcity level, the minimum level that, that's needed in the market is between 25 to $2.2 trillion. So we're not far off that, that what's considered to be um, yeah, minimum capital level. Um, when we get down to those kind of levels, that's when things get pretty nasty. We saw back to the repo crisis in 2019 um, when we got down to a, a, a low level of reserves in the system and we saw repo blowing up. And that situation could be feasibly in the market. Now, yeah, I think that's something that we really need to look at. The reserves are going to come down. There's going to be a huge amount of liquidity coming out of the market at a time when the ECB banks have been paying back a lot of their their you know their their pet loans as well, so I think this is the big trade for Q3 in my opinion. This this liquidity withdrawal from market, you're sucking dollars out of the system. Dollar funding is going to be going up, and you could see um, effectively the effective rate trading north of the interest earned on reserve balances. So I think this is the big trade for Q3. It's something I'm I'm, I'm doing quite a lot of work on. It yeah, you know, it does bode well for the US dollar. It suggests that you're going to see a much stronger dollar. It could have people asking themselves, could we see an end to quantitative tightening? Could we even see a short-term bout of QE coming through in markets? Is this something that that you're looking at, Blake? Well, you, let, let me just uh, say this, that if you haven't watched the video that Chris put together, um, uh, you should. I actually had to watch it twice. Um, I'm not a. I'm not <laughs> I had a. I to record um, it about five times as well. Mate. I'll put the. Uh, I'll put the link to the video in, yeah. in 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 the in the description of this down down below, so you'll be able to see it's it. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good one, and it, a lot of it's going to probably go over your head initially. That's why I think you should watch it like a couple of times. I had to watch it a couple of times, and I think we're seeing the 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 we're seeing it come through the market right now. But it, it's the question that I'm going to have, and we're going to go to the next topic here. In, in just like a second, or we can already just kind of jump into it. You know, when you're talking about the dollar and this this liquidity crisis, Chris, it is something that is on my radar because you and I have discussed it here on the show for the last couple of weeks. And it's something that you keep keeps re- reminding people, look, once a debt ceiling is reached, the agreement is reached, the dollar could really come out of its shoes. And you can see actually the stock market and you can see equity markets, you know, that QT, if you will, being extracted from the market, um, you could really see that uh, that that really pull markets lower and the dollar higher. So are, we talking, so, are we talking about the dollar now? We just, I just want to give my producer a bit of guidance. Yeah, yeah let's, <laughs> let's kind of go into the dollars. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Let's go ahead and forward it into the dollar. It's something that you've been talking about for the last few weeks, and it's something that I think has to be on everybody's radar as we get to um, you know this this uh, this debt ceiling limit. I, I have conversations with my colleagues every day about what is going to be good for the market and what's going to be bad for the market, and trying to explain to them the liquidity cliff that we're falling off of is really 
something that's very important. You can see it filtering into the dollar already. The dollar, you know, we, we've, we've taken a really good look at it. We're going to look at it again technically here in a few minutes. But to me, it does feel like the dollar could see at least the 200-day moving average, which would put the euro probably somewhere near 104, 105. Now, um, the, the question I'm going to have to you, Chris, is do you play the dollar? Because I think the dollar could really get some legs here based on the scenario you've been putting together. But are all dollars created equal? Or do you play the dollar universally across the board? Or is there going to be a better play, one play better than the other? What are your thoughts there about the dollar? Well, one thing we need to look at is China. Right? We can't go past China right now. Dollar CNH, the offshore yuan, has been going up and up. Um, despite the PBOC and the authorities uh, saying that they're going to clamp down on speculators, don't go against them. Uh, and I think what you're seeing there is this, you know, there's obviously a lot of capital that, that that seems to be leaving China in search of yield, and the carry trade seems to be working pretty well. Obviously, you know, if you look at their rates, they've been there's ample liquidity in China, um, and that their bond markets have, you know, the, the yields have been going low when obviously yields have been in the US have been going up. So I think there's a carry trade that 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 Chinese um, traders are looking at, and you're seeing outflows of China with something that they want to step in front of. Uh, and I think that's really, really important. So dollar CNH for me is it, it, it's sort of like the quiet man of FX markets, but it's really, really integral. And so I think if we see dollar CNH continue to push up, it's going to put a broad bid in the US dollar. But I think yeah, what we're seeing is is we've talked about it before is that, that, that China, in terms of their business cycle, seems to be less good. Um, and I wouldn't say slowing down necessarily, but it's, it's certainly the, the heat's come out of it. And I think that's having big implications for Europe. But, you know, you're seeing that with, with luxury goods as well. I mean, there's concerns about flare-ups of COVID again in China. And Europe's obviously very leveraged on the, on the China players, such as Australia. Uh, and so I think, yeah, it's having negative ramifications on the euro. Um, and that's obviously just creating this kind of, oh, dare I say, exceptionalism story in the US. When yields are going up, Growth in the U.S. has been better, um, and you're seeing that China cycle. So it really just feeds nicely into a dollar play. Then you've got this liquidity cliff. It, you can see why the U.S. dollar is trending at the moment. Agreed. Yeah, and you got the dollar smile theory happening, Correct. right? <laughs> so, oh, is that what you're saying? <laughs> you yeah, are the that's, dollar what I, that's why I was giving you that big smile. Anyway, uh, so you, but the, you just you know, you've got you've got these you've got the. Like the dollar's just returned as this magical currency where there's just there's just multiple things working for it. And, you know, the question is, is do you fight the trend? So I wouldn't, personally, when you've got all these cross-currents working in favour of the dollar. I, I still think that China is really, really key here. We've got to be keeping an eye on what's happening in China, dollar CNH. You know, uh, I'm sorry, you, you, you mentioned the dollar CNH, and, and, and uh, I, I can't help it, but i got to mention it right now. You look at, like, the the... The, some of the Chinese equity markets. Uh, I think the Hang Seng just broke below the 200-day moving average. Uh, the, the the China 50 is is below like some support. So you're seeing uh, and you're seeing the markets move. And co copper looks wonderful, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks awful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, hey, if you got any comments regarding anything that we just talked about, yeah, Sonny, how are you playing the dollar? Let's have let's have a listen. How are you? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, oh, do you know what? We're going, let's comments. let's bring up a chart of it. Let's go to that's a setup. Right, well, there you go. Conveniently at the top, we got the dollar. Um, and there you go. Everything I've just been talking about and, and Blake's been talking about, just conceptualized in one little portrait. Uh, but look, we 
yeah, we had that that move down to the double bottom. We've broken the 61.8% retracement there. Uh, I've got that five-day exponential moving average. You can see as the red moving average, which just really, yeah, I like to see this. We all like to see this when when it's making these kind of impulsive moves up, one-way trends. You know, you see the the price action coming down to that 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 five-day or seven-day or whatever you want to use, but short-term moving average, and then the buyers step in and support. And you can see that time and time again. It's just every every sell-off is 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 contained into that into that five-day moving average. Um, so there's real momentum there. You can see on the on the bottom, I've got the, the three-day rate of change, which is you know, probably one of the best momentum uh, oscillators or indicators you can use. Um, so the question is, is Blake, probability would suggest, do we get back at, into that into that range highs, multi-month uh, range highs, sort of in, above 105 there? Where, where do you say, do you fade this or do you just stay with it now into the 105 level? Can we just go ahead and flip it to the Aussie dollar and I'll tell you if I'm going to fade it or not? Now <laughs> so, we got 55 seconds. I'm joking. Seconds I'm, joking. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. But, the, you know, I, I do have to bring up, bring to your attention that the 200-day moving average is around 106. It's just below 106. So it's around those range highs that you're, you're talking about. But um, so the answer is, you know, what, what do you do it? You know, if you're going to fade the dollar, is it, you know, one, one, one size fits all? I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but here's the thing is the dollar is also following a very minor channel um, just over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's like a, a, a just an ascending channel. We're at the upper end of the channel. So let's just hope we get some sort of pullback. If you want to play the dollar on the long side, you know, playing it back down at 103 or so is going to be where channel support is. If you just had two little lines that, 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 that uh, the channel that the dollar is following. The question is, do we does that even stop it? And, you know, if, if you really start to put two and two together here, Chris, and, and some of your stories and your backdrop that you'd, you'd, you'd mentioned, you know, perhaps the dollar does actually go on a rampage and really break out. So well, I'd like to see that, but that, that would have big implications um, for gold would. and silver and bits and pieces. But yeah, keeping an eye on front-end yields, can they push into uh, two-year two yields? Can they push into 450? Yeah, we're looking at that data. As I said, yeah, core PC this this week is going to be really important. Are we going to see above 4.6%? That would be a dollar positive. We go into June, NFPs on the 2nd. We've got the, the CPI number, which is going to be the biggie, the solidifier uh, on the 13th. So some dates for the diary there. All right. Well, hey, keep that um, keep the memory of this chart in just for my comments as we move into the Aussie dollar, just because I think it's really important. Let's go into the Aussie. Now, uh, you know, a long time ago, Chris, if you go back to uh, if you go back to, uh, I guess, October. Um, no, let me let me just say it'd be back in. Um, it was it was back in. Yeah. Around around October. No, July of 2021. We talked or we talked. Uh, I'm talking the wrong wrong chart. Sorry. <laughs> if you go back, my my mistake back in early this year, we talked about a big head and shoulder pattern and then Aussie. And that completion of the head and shoulder pattern actually came in at the 618 retracement that you can see right there, highlighted at 6550. That happens to be right where we're at right now at the time of filming. You know, I talked about us reaching that level at some point. And as we're having this bearish consolidation, if we broke through consolidation through these lows, we talked about this the last few weeks, we'd finally hit that 618. We're there. And I mentioned... Back then, back earlier this year, I'd be a buyer down here. And guess what I did today, Chris? I bought it down here. Now, I have very, very tight stops because <clears> we're <throat> at the 618, and I'm not going to let this one get away from me. I'm just, I got my stops really tight. I'm playing it for a bounce just for a couple of days because copper is also at an ascending trend line. 
This euro dollar 618 happens to be where the do- the dollar index 618 is right now. So the dollar or the euro dollar 618 is actually 107.38. And we just bounced off it just a few moments ago while we were filming. So hopefully all of these levels take hold and we get a little bit of a bounce. All I'm playing it is for a bounce. What are your thoughts about the Aussie here? Um, well, it's, you're swimming against the tide, aren't you? But yeah, I, I, yes. I don't, yes. I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, you, you, I wouldn't be playing it for like an, a, like a, a long-term thing. It's a day trade. It's, you know, two-day trade at best, I think, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, if we if we to see, obviously a lot depends on sentiment towards the debt ceiling. But even that, do all roads in the debt ceiling lead to a stronger dollar? Because, you know, if you get risk aversion coming through markets, Aussie dollar will probably go lower. You get the dollar selling off against the yen and the Swissy. Um, but I think yeah, Aussie would come under pressure. Um, but if you get yeah a, an agreement, then the probably the, the the US dollar rallies universally as as people price in a bit more rates. So I don't know. I think yeah, I, I'm not against your trade. I'm open minded to it. I but yeah, I think it's certainly I looked at the copper chart and there is a, a rising trend that people should look at. And if we were to see that have a bit of a bounce, but the other one there is 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 what's happening in in dollar CNH. We keep talking about it. The, the dollar CNH is just a reflection. The Aussie dollar is a, is a proxy, a cheaper proxy of that. And so yeah, you'd be wanting to see some headlines coming out from you know Chinese authorities uh, looking to curb the weakness in the CNH. And if we saw that, then I think your trade would work quite nicely. So it'd be an interesting one. Anyway, let's go to uh, one of the sort of second derivatives of what we're seeing in, in real rates and, and, and the US dollar more broadly, and that's the gold the gold chart there. Now, technically, I want to be short. Fundamentally, I want to be long. Um, fundamentally, why? Because it's just, if we were to see a bit more volatility and a bit more drama on the debt ceiling as we go towards the 1st of June, then yeah, gold should, in theory, be one of the the better hedges, you know, the case studies in 2011, 2013 and all suggest that gold's a really good place to be. Um, but at the moment, you know, even though we're seeing stress in the bill markets, there's no love for gold. And and, and that's because we are seeing rate expectations moving higher uh, and the dollar's sort of working quite nicely in this. So if you want to play gold from the long side, do it in weaker currency. But the technical suggests to me from a tactical perspective, Blake, I'd be looking to use sell stops just below those lows between below 1958 and just hope for the momentum to take us down and perhaps into 1900 into the figure. So I've got that divergence between my fundamental and technical view and the, probably the reconcile is just to let price do the work for me and I'd, I'd be using sell stops below those lows hoping it continued on. So that's the way I look at it. How, how would you be playing that? Well, you remember uh, last week, Chris, we talked about, I, I think I mentioned the gold rush being over. You know, these these levels at 1950 are really, really supportive, and uh, we're, we're we're getting a little early bounce. And I, here's the thing: we're about the debt ceiling and about headlines and announcements. I think the market, once the dust settles, you're going to see the dollar rally, gold come down, probably stocks come down. Once the dust settles, now during while the dust is flowing, and and, and it could be flying all over the place, and we could see a lot of volatility. So I wouldn't be surprised to see. The, you know, the uh, the gold market at 1950, 1960, where we're currently at, trade back up to 2000. And to be honest, I'd like to be on the short side of gold up around the 2000 level. The question is, I'm, I'm wondering if we're even going to see that level. But with all the volatility, this is where I, I, I talk to our traders all the time, Chris. This is what we call target trading. You, you, you identify the levels you want to participate in and you only participate at those levels. Let the market come to you. And if it doesn't, you move along. And that's how I'm looking at gold, at least right now. Yeah, it's so. interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, um, 
yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'd like, I'm actually taking a slightly different approach, and I'm, I'm, I'm letting the market tell me to get into the trade, and and letting the market compel me into a trade, and that's when weakness breeds weakness. So, I think, um, yeah, what we whilst we have had a lot of interest rate cuts coming out of the market, and it's those rate cuts which, yeah, push gold up into those highs. Um, those rate cuts that come out of the market has seen the use of gold as a hedge against, um, yeah, all that that fragility being unwound. There's less need to hold gold when the data's been coming in better and the dollar's stronger. So, yeah, I think gold bulls out there would want to see, um, you know, a a, a a downturn a downturn in the data. The data coming in less bag and, you know, offering us a belief that there is going to be a recession. If if you think that's going to happen this year, then then gold's your play. All right. Well, the, then let's talk about silver, uh, uh, the, the the poor man's gold, if you will. And the reason why I point out this chart is we just completed a double top. Uh, we had a double. You can see the range um, basically of those highs, uh, the, the, the blue line, the two blue lines. That's a range extension or double top. It completed when we got to 23. We basically got to 2302 or 2303, somewhere around there. I wouldn't be surprised if we pushed down to 2290. But we're also retesting a broken trend line and around the 50% retracement that comes in at 23 bucks. So there, what I'm trying to explain to you here is there's a confluence of support right where we're at. So if you want to play it for a bounce and let's say gold does trade back to 2000 and let's say silver might bounce back to 23 and a half, maybe even $24. This is the place where I think your risk favors risk. Risk is less than your reward. Your, your risk reward favors you know, along for a bounce here because you know where you're wrong and you're wrong just below the market. I think below 22, you know, 85, you're wrong. And it's okay to be wrong. It's just not okay to stay wrong. So interesting Chris, one, here, Blake. On interesting silver? one because, <clears throat> you know, we've seen those charts is, you know, of the fact that, that we've seen so much flow in the dollar. Perhaps now we are going to see this, this, this short term reversal of sorts in the dollar. And if we were to see a slightly lower dollar, and again, dollar CNH continues to be my sort of Bible around that. Um, then, then naturally, gold and, and silver are going to have a bounce. I want to sort of adopt this a slightly different way. If we are going to see a bounce, have a slightly lower beta strategy. So, you know, how would you feel about long silver short gold? You know, being poor man's gold, I see it as a as a, a sort of a higher beta play on gold. So, if we are going to see both metals rally, then being long silver and short gold would be a lower strategy, lower beta strategy, but. You know, it, it sort of encapsulates the outperformance that you would see in silver relative to gold. It's a lower risk strategy. How do you feel about that one? Well, the the I would say, Chris, that the pairs czar strikes again. I think <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Well, having I, I'm, I, I'm I'm not I'm not long I'm not long that uh, strategy, but I think that would no, be an, that would be an interesting way to to play. That if you wanted to lower your risk a little bit rather than just have one leg, you you, you could lower the risk and. Yeah, be long silver and short gold if you're looking for that short-term technical bounce. Anyway, with the pairs trade in mind, I think it's a good place to go to play of the day. Well, yeah, let's say let's let's revisit the the trade that I looked at last week, which was uh, long uh, Nasdaq short uh, Euro um, and and oh, short Europe, and, and that trade continues to work quite well. So. What we've got here on, on TradingView is a ratio. So we've gone, uh, we've got the Euro stocks index and divided it by the Nasdaq 100. 
what we were looking at is this breaking down. Now, obviously, people say, oh, you know, this is a reflection that the, the euro stocks is priced in euros and euro dollars been coming lower. But go and, go and change the euro, euro stocks legs and price it in US dollars. So we're talking Apple and apples. And yeah, it's a very similar sort of looking chart. It's breaking down. So what that's showing is the Nasdaq's outperforming. I expect this to continue. Obviously, those NVIDIA results that we've just seen were absolutely breathtaking. It's, it's rare that you get a, a stock with that sort of market cap rallying 25, 26% in the after hours. But, you know, these guys are coming out and guiding to, to Q2 of, of, of revenue of, of 11 billion when the market was looking for seven. They've absolutely got it and boom, out the park. They've smashed it down. Um, and so, yeah, tech continues to work. Europe's got um, a, a issues with banks looking to pay back a lot of their loans. Uh, that we talked about. And also, you know, luxury is breaking down. You know, you can see the luxury side of things really breaking down, which weighs uh, very heavily on this. So I continue to, to like this trade very much so, whether doing it hedged on a currency basis or unhedged. Uh, I like to be long the NASDAQ and, and short the euro stocks as a pairs trade there, long short strategy. Woo, man, what a great, what a great looking chart, Chris. Well, I'm going to take you over to the dollar yen. And uh, I know I know we talked about this last week and I had to get it in before you. Um, but I had to say, I also had to say, Chris, great call from last week because you were looking for a breakout higher. Uh, we have I think you were. So I think we. I think we will. I think we all were, to be honest. It didn't give I it much resistance, did it? Just just straight through, head through the ceiling. Just right through 138. And so that is your... That right there is your line in the sand. As long as it's above 138, I think you have to target. There's some confluence of resistance right around the 140 level. That's 127% extension of, let's say, the March uh, the March drop, uh, the sell-off in March. And then, you know, the, the most recent sell-off that just happened in the beginning of May, it's going to be about 161% extension, takes you to 140. Now, if the dollar smile really exceptionally takes off and you start to see the dollar really move, I could see this pattern completing up around the 143 level. Now, don't remember the BOJ is lurking in the background and Ueda is not probably far away from, you know, changing monetary policy or at least hinting that he's going to. So that could uh, put a, put a, put a, put a break on this, on this chart at any moment. But I think the dollar yen, while we're above 138, you go to 140, then eventually to 143. I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. It's a question of it's, this is trending, right? So the the CTAs, the trend followers out there, are along this now, and they they're not targeting anything. They they'll just they'll just stay long and just move the stops up with their system, uh, and the market will tell them when to get out. That's the the trend following way. So like, I think just stay long this. The other one that you can look at is, and I don't know if you have a look at this, Blake, is obviously dollar Swiss. We haven't had the breakout right yeah. now, but we've had the we've had the downtrend break, and now we're just pushing that horizontal resistance as well. So a bit of a, a slower move than dollar. Yeah, so dollar, dollar Swiss is yeah. enough one that that could start breaking out and then still cart trending. So I prefer you. I think I think you're on the money with dollar yen, like it. Um, but dollar Swiss is one that is a breakout candidate and a potential uh, trend following uh, sort of system trade there. So that's another one there. Anyway, like you, thank you everyone for for joining us and and going through the the mad world of trading with us and to, to this point in the journey. Uh, if you could give us a like, love it, please. Um, and also, if you want to leave a comment, we would uh, we would really appreciate. Whether you're talking about the liquidity cliff, which I really implore you to have a look at the, the video that we did, uh, because I do think it's a very complicated subject, and I'm not an expert in the monetary system, um, but I'm looking at the triggers that, that that we do understand that would say the market is genuinely concerned about this, or whether we're looking at the dollar or all these factors. How are you playing it? We'd want to hear that situation. And Blake and I will get on the, get on the comments and, 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 and talk to you about how we're seeing things as well. So thank you very much. We'll see you next week for more of The Trade-Off. <laughs>